This episode you are about to enjoy is a previously recorded episode from The Unfiltered Historian. I hate that music so much. Oh, it's great. It's like, I know you did. I thought it was really good. You, you might have to move the boxes around a little bit because I'm being covered by the timer. <laughs> You're being covered by the timer? Yeah. Your, your border is. Oh, no. There we go. The, the Nate's now covered by the timer. That's fine. You can leave. I'm good. Just leave me where I, I can am. see you. You're not. No, we don't want. We want to. We want to see you, Nate. <laughs> we do actually like you. I mean, yes, of course, but he's not covered on our screen. What are you looking at? Are you on your phone? I... Oh yeah, yeah, I am. That's why. Yeah, on the production, it's, it's oh, he's good. You, you were fine up that? there. Oh, okay, fair enough. It's just you who can't see him. That's all. Oh. Sorry, my <sighs> no, bad. Okay. Hey, my bad. Your American voice is incredible. I mean, you're preparing well because you'll be here tomorrow, dude. I will be, yeah. You so will be. <laughs> in a minute, I need to go to bed because it's one o'clock in the morning and I've got to get up at four o'clock in the morning to go to the airport. Yeah, okay. We'll let you go to bed soon. Me and Nate can shitter chatter. But, um, do, yeah. Do you have, are you um, going to drink some coffee or push No, I'm just going to. the side for a minute? Just... I'm going to drink tea. Do you not know? In the British Empire, we drink tea. That's right. That's right. Right. This is what kept the British people and the British spirit going during all the wars was tea. Oh, I'm not sure. Coffee. Mm -hmm. Hey, coffee kept us going though. It's so still keeps us if going. You feel the and need to drink it in the in the river again or in the in the harbour, just refrain from it, calm down, take a deep breath, and don't do it. I'm gonna take a tea bag. I'm gonna don't get in the rapid hammock right in front of you. And then you're going to pollute the water bring and kill all the fish. Bring a whole box of them and just. <laughs> I can't do that because it's littering. But be, I am now oh, yeah. considering just taking a tea bag and dunking it in the Rappahannock and showing it right in front of Darren. Like, he'll be in mid conversation, like, wow, this is amazing to be here at this battle. I'm like, dunk. Look what I have to put up with. It's like a handicap match all the time. It's not. You you're know? not being teamed up on. It's one person. I'm the only one doing it. I think. Unless everybody just like collectively gets together and puts anyway, a tea bag in. Anyway, I don't care what people say about you two. I think you're all right. 
<laughs> Thank you. Over there in the British Empire, they have our one. Yeah. Enough, I'm sure. Sorry, the British Empire died after World War Two, I think. Oh. Anyway. <clears throat> hey, you said it, and not me. He did. Well, guys, welcome to another episode of Unfiltered Conversations, which have already been rather unfiltered. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, yeah. actually. But <laughs> we are uh, just kind of gathering tonight for a talk because we have been talking by ourselves and we're like, wait, this is this is what we do live. Why are we doing this alone? Like, We're one day out from Darren coming to Fredericksburg and us preparing to do our 159th. So we're really excited to bring you guys the the plethora of stuff we have planned coming up. So uh, expect to see me and Darren together for the first time in person tomorrow at the pub. We'll go live for a short few minutes just to say we've arrived. Everybody's safe. Everybody's here and that we are enjoying our fish and chips and we're ready for the, hmm. the day ahead of us that we have. That's and, and good. The, the, and the uh, next day afterwards. So you will see ahead. a couple of, you will see a couple of lives from me tomorrow as well. Um, yeah. I can't wait. And Nate is going to just miraculously catch a flight to Fredericksburg. Oh, I wish tomorrow. he could. Randomly, yes. No, I hey, actually I mean, have my uh, last comprehensive exam tomorrow before I am ABD. So, okay. Congratulations. That's big news. Yeah, thanks. Mm, so. Congrats, dude. Well, let's see. Let's wait until I get through this exam first, and then uh, we'll sort out the rest later. Um, oh, I think you're going to make it through that exam just fine. I think you'll be just fine. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So, If I had a gavel in my hand, I would smack it on the table to make it be. In fact, <laughs> yeah. I do have one in the living room if I have to go get it. You know what? I'm, I'm okay. Can pass on that. We okay. can trust that I, I would smash we'll the gavel. Pa we'll pass. We'll pass right. on that. Right. Yeah. Thanks, mate. We don't, don't want to wake anybody up. Weird, weird fetishes. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's just a memento from the time i was on capitol hill oh of course yes yeah, sorry yeah there you go thanks so anyway guys what's going on what do you want to talk about no, so, uh, can you circle back really quick to the fact that someone has a fetish over a gavel yeah wait what what's that all about you did you, how did you not catch him say that to me he said i don't care what you have out there in your living room for your fetishes i'm like <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> Like, um, hey, sir, maybe I worked on the hill for a little bit, and by golly, if it's not a freaking memento from the hill. Well, I made my brain go off on this thing. It's like, people have fetishes for gavels? What the hell do you guys do? Well, on Capitol uh, Hill, anything is possible, I, I suppose. Well, this is a... Anyways, welcome to the Unfiltered Historian again. We'll take two. <laughs> Yeah, we'll start again. Sorry, guys. No, we won't. <laughs> Sorry to continue going. Well, I actually got some uh, books today to just help with my anxiety for tomorrow. And the you book mind, that, that you were showing us earlier. Yeah. So Tim and I actually said we're going to start a book club, and that was the book we're starting with. So that was interesting that you picked that up, actually. Which one? The Sheridan in the Valley. The um, Oh, really? Uh, yes, sir. Sheridan in the Shenandoah. Uh, yes, that's the one that him and I have. By Edward Stackpole. Stackpole. Yeah. And then I also picked up the Staff Ride Handbook for the Overland Campaign. Where did you get that? This was in the Half Price Bookstore. So That's awesome. And that's the one that's uh, written by... You can um, access um, this online, but like... I always it's free, but yeah. Um, actual books. I mean... Of course, but that's, so, that's really cool, dude. Like, I then, actually want to get a copy of that. Yes, and then Darren recommended the Civil War, yeah. uh, the Wars of Three Kingdoms by Trevor Royal. So I got some. And what I really, what I like about that is the cover on that one. That's got the pikeman on the front. I really like that. You like the pikeman, huh? Yeah, I'm, that's a cool. I'm really just. Cool. I'm sorry to disappoint when you learn about the Battle of Fredericksburg. There aren't going to be any pikemen involved. No, no. but I will tell That's you not. this: from what I've learned, the Confederacy at the beginning were thinking about using pikes. Really? They, they had a big store in Richmond, in a warehouse of pikes. But more so, on the way. Um, I think it was going to be more light sort. I don't know how they were going to use them, mind you. You'll have you to know, um, you'll have to look into that more and maybe do an episode about that, Darren. Yeah, is that am I right in saying that though? I'm sure I've seen it somewhere. I've never heard that. I've never. You I've actually never brought that, that to my attention right. first. I've never 
once heard that. So you were going to definitely do some research and talk to us about. I mean, that. there's loads of weird things, isn't there? There's even talk of of using elephants. So I read a landmine camels earlier this year. I think it may have even been last year. Shit, I can't remember when. But it was recently that I, I read the landmines in the Civil War, and that was a very interesting read because I mean, you don't really think about the usage of landmines when it comes to civil war. It's not something that is just like generally thought of, right? Yeah. That is a fun topic for me. It, it, it's um, um, the, the infernal device is a very common name for that damn thing. And it's just to like hear some of the creation stories to landmines and seeing some of the names attached to it. Um, the likes of which I'll even drop, um, what's his name? I can't believe I'm forgetting his name right now too. Maury, Matthew Fontaine Maury with the, um, the land or the sea mines. And you're looking at yes. mines that are now being deployed in water and the, again, infernal devices you're seeing in the United States on land bases and the shit that's happening with Sherman. That book was incredible. Like I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I, I do hope a lot of people still see that when um, from a previous episode we did covering that book and my review on it i ended up like blabbing on for about an hour just about the fascination i had behind like the usage of landmines and the psyche behind it um but i I really hope somebody else will pick that up and read it too because it's a fantastic interesting look into warfare that we don't generally conceive when it comes to the civil war um nate you know you're talking about well, Darren's talking about the pikes that that just kind of like threw me into the same thing. I was like, could you imagine if pikes were actually used to like? <laughs> well, they probably almost like, have you know the same distance. Right. As a... So I've just <laughs> reading a uh, something that's popped up. So I've, I've I've quickly Google searched it, and is a is a page called Civil War at Smithsonian, mm. and it says the pike. It says pole arms were not widely used, obviously because of the uh, other weapons. Um, but they were going to be used in the cavalry as lancers, as did the European cavalry going back to Napoleonic sort of era. Well, you're about to, I mean, that already was. It just wouldn't have worked, would it? It wouldn't Mm -hmm. have worked. Right. I mean, okay. So with that, you're getting into a debate between do you use the cavalry for reconnaissance or do you use it as a shock force right yeah because at this point in time you still have the russian cossacks they obviously were using it you have the winged hussars of poland they used it well throughout most of their history now of course poland i guess didn't exist in this time but they used it um you know until their country went away and then it was brought back and they still briefly use some of that stuff in world war ii um but basically, that was the argument that Meade and Sheridan got into. Sheridan believed cavalry was more of a shock force. Meade thought they should be used for reconnaissance. Um, and, you know, ultimately, I think Sheridan's unorthodox belief proved more correct than not, especially in the Shenandoah, it would prove more correct, um, especially when you have guys like Custer who just say, screw it, and charge into, you know, a bunch of fire. Um but needless to say, you know, if you look at the Appomattox campaign, it's it's absolutely amazing to see the cavalry move from Petersburg all the way out to Appomattox Courthouse. It's it's really, really incredible. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I think the fact that, you know, the way that they were used well before 1864, I mean, there, there's a reason why the Confederate cavalry um was so effective before then um you know of course you kind of have that turning point there at brandy station um and then ultimately there's there's definitely a kind of pick me up that occurs later but um lances it would have been interesting to see but but yeah i mean it says here as well that um a guy called john sorry joe brown yeah joseph e brown the governor of georgia in february of 1862 he issued a call to the state um to manufacture ten thousand pikes wow but they never saw any action they just sat in a warehouse they just sat in the entire yeah that's interesting why 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 would you use something like that when you've got the weaponry you've got last ditch effort yeah Um, and like you said nate uh during the american civil war um, um, cavalry changes its, its 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 the way it's used, doesn't it? It's for reconnaissance, really. It's not for uh, battle anymore, is it? Really? I know you'd still have the 
the skirmishes and stuff. But well, you, you as know, far I mean, as using them on the battlefield, they're not really there anymore, are they? I mean, at Cedar Creek, they were extremely <clears throat> effective as a shock force. Um, Fisher's Hill, another great example. Um, you know, but I'm, the United States was really interesting because in Europe, they're still using the cavalry as is is a shock force. I mean, yeah, the French had it, the the um, Prussians. Uh, you have all sorts of different groups that are still using it in that in that regard. Um, they are a part of the army, but you know, it really before 1864. That I mean, where do you really see them being used all that much? I mean, you see them used for raids. Um, you know, of course, we could get into Grierson's raid. We could talk about. Um, how effective that that was, uh, but ultimately, it, yeah, they were not being used the same way they were using them in Europe, um, which I think is interesting because even Winfield Scott actually did not think they should be used as shock troops. He thinks right. he thought they should be used as reconnaissance. Yeah. Well, I mean, then again, that's another whole topic we have now. Yeah, it's interesting. Different weaponry that could have been used or was used in the Civil War. And I know, you know, Daryl knows a lot about that, and he sent me that awesome file today. So I've been looking through that a little bit, especially while I was uh, just having some free time this afternoon. Just a rare thing, by the way. <laughs> um, I was enjoying by looking at some of this stuff. And guys, there is some incredible information in this, and I'm excited to pull that. And there's, there's just so much i got to study right now. It's unreal. Like, there's, between Civil War and the Titanic, I'm like... It's just, it's like tugging at me, man. I'm sorry, Darren. You probably said that word earlier. That's all right. Be funny to use that word. You snuck that one in there, didn't you? I did. I did. I had to figure out how I was going to incorporate that into this live stream, man. I think I just did. So, cool. Got it out early. You did. But man, I liked it. It was a little, a little low blow, that one. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I have to ask this uh, because it seems like. This is going because I, I know we were just talking about the cavalry, but I genuinely don't know this, and it never came up when I was out there in Fredericksburg with you. Okay. Um, but but how were the? I mean, were there was there cavalry? Uh, any cavalry actions uh, during the Battle of Fredericksburg? I mean, was anything like that going on? There's a lot going on, and um, here I'm going to paste in here because for some reason our um, our chat wasn't working too well. So this is what Noel said over on Facebook here. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Wow. Thank that you for cool. sharing, Noel. And that's and, something I feel um, like I should know, considering uh, part of my family, most of my family was Union Cavalry. So, um, anyway, uh, out here in Missouri, I should say. Out here um, in Missouri. So, um, the the extent of cavalry actions around Fredericksburg that I know of. Yes. I, I, okay, yes. I know a little bit about what's going on in the dog grenade, and I plan to do a live video, but, it, you know, life got in the way there, especially with everything coming up at school and all that fun stuff. Um, but uh, there, there is a lot, and I hope to revisit that someday once I can actually get out and spend some time on the field and, um, really get a better understanding from being at some of the locations I can be. Um, but I'm not honestly really all that familiar with a lot of the cavalry stuff around here, other than Kelly's Ford and Hartwood a raid that takes place. Some of the stuff that takes place up in Dumfries, um, little raids like that. Yeah. There's a lot mm -hmm. going on and there's a lot of cavalry patrols. I mean, there's so many that you could probably, you've got Brandy station down the street too. So there, yes, in those those instances, I know a lot about them. But and, and um, Chancellor's Bill, you get yeah, Stoneman. Very yeah, Stoneman's cavalry raid. You get the Eighth Pennsylvania raid, cavalry harassing which troops. Which gets cancelled because of the line. weather. No, it, he gets, he gets it, a lot of criticism, doesn't he? After where well, don't get cancelled, but it gets rescheduled. Right, it, it gets yeah. kind of pushed out, but it's launched initially, and there's a lot of. Um, hiccups to the rail line because of yeah that's the it they, they, they were sent to destroy the rail line weren't they and mm -hmm. the logistics oh mm. <laughs> cavalry. Cavalry. Oh, wow. cavalry 
I guess I could go back and watch, but um, my apologies, my goodness. No, did you get the joke? I do. I uh, there's I a know meme Ed Bears like yeah. all over that. No, yeah, every time there's a meme that specifically has Ed Bears holding a cat yeah. in his hand with a cane, and it says every time someone says Calvary, Ed Bears kills a kitten, and it's just it, yeah, that was. Cavalry, yes. Cavalry. Uh, if I mess that do, up, do I that say is, it correctly? Cavalry. Apology. Say it again, Darren. Cavalry. Yes, you say it right. Nate, Cavalry. That's so good, Nate. Wait, what? Yeah, hold on, what? The cavalry. You know where you go to eat. You know, it's like a meat where they carve the meat for you. A carvery. Like, oh, carvery. Okay. Yeah. Is that is that a word? A carvery? Yeah, so it's like it's like a it's like a restaurant where it's like a buffet, you know. And, so and what they do is they, yeah, and they they cut the meat for you. It's called they carve it, so it's called a carvery. This is seriously. I need to educate you. Wait, wait, wait! Really? Like yeah. you're not messing with me? Like no, I'm not messing about. Being serious. <laughs> Okay, well, stop. Okay, I'm gonna move on. You got, no, hold on, no, we're not, no, we're not. Do you just go down to the carvery? Is it like, you want to go get a bite to eat at the carvery? Yeah, sometimes. That... So they do a Sunday roast. Darren, I'm gonna start blaming you if I start pronouncing cavalry. It's called yeah. Pennsylvania. Well, carvery. I'm not surprised. Um, you know, um, was it you know, Chatham Mansion? Um, Chatham. Chatham. It, some Chatham. some people call it Chatham. I know they do call it that. I've heard it a lot. And it's like, no, it's not Chatham. What are you want about? It's called Chatham. Get it right. The Earl of you know? Chatham, William Pitt. You're ruining the English language. Just stop it. <laughs> Been ruining it since 1776. There Boom. you go. <laughs> <Drink> <laughs> <that>. Cheers. <laughs> Wouldn't have it any other way. All right. Tea in the harbor, babies. Let's go. Wait. <laughs> At least you agree with that one. <laughs> Guys, anyway, so again, when you come to the UK, I'll take you to a carvery. This was right. normal. I'm not. We will go to the carvery. I'm. I'm very much looking forward to checking that off my bucket list. I just added it today, actually. Good just like ten seconds ago, I'm like, that's okay. Mm. Now, now that this word has been introduced to my language and my repertoire, I'm going to be saying. Oh, it. Tyler! By the time I'm finished with you, mate, you're going to have words <laughs> that nobody's ever heard of, and you'll be able to use them at work and stuff, and they'll be like, "Oh my god, I've never heard that word before." <laughs> you say it. I'm going to teach you some words. Don't worry. I'm going to learn bollocks. I know I'm going to say that a lot now. Yeah, bollocks. Yeah. Bollocks. Is that like garnet? No. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. Somewhere enough. Or freezing me, freezing me uh, brass monkeys off. Okay, I asked him earlier, you might find this hysterical too, Nate. I was watching one of those like short videos. I don't have TikTok or anything, so I watch the YouTube shorts because that's the closest I'll ever get. And mm -hmm. <laughs> this guy wrecks into the back of a car in the UK and he gets out. He goes, hey, you effing sausage. <laughs> and I asked Darren, I'm like, yo, do you guys call each other sausages? No. Like, that's like the nicest thing you could call somebody when like, you're seriously angry. he was like no but what did you tell me that they call they would say like well you would you would call them the c-u-n-t word oh oh but you wouldn't actually like, call somebody a sausage no if, i would never call anybody I was a hoping sausage. you would because that is awesome it's like eh, you're a sausage yeah like, no, it's not it's not good at all <laughs> <laughs> Somebody yelled it. He was like, "You effing sausage!" And well, like, he wasn't English. It was probably Australian or something. Maybe. How do you know? It was... no, I don't know. I'm gonna have to go and watch this video now. You have to send no, me a link. It to you. I, I was crying of laughter because of that. Like, I I don't know why I found that so funny. I've just never heard somebody aggressively call somebody. I like, a I like your really? accent when you do it. You've got a very good English accent coming on there. Thank you. I'm because I've watched that video so many times and have said that. It's like, Wait, you want a sausage? No, he doesn't say that. He said you. He called him an effing sausage. He was like, "You effing sausage." And Maybe he was calling him something else. No, he said sausage. It was. <laughs> I don't know why that is so funny to me. Anyways, we're talking about history, not sausage. But yeah, no, sausage is a nice term in this country. You know, you go, "Hello, sausage." You know what I mean? Like when you're greeting someone. <laughs> 
Mm. <laughs> oh, and that, that they did that in the movie Paul too. I remember seeing that. He's like, "Don't call me that." <laughs> he goes, "Morning sausage." <laughs> it's hey, it's better than calling someone a cow or something like that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, a More cow. <laughs> livestock. Just call someone. Hey, what's up, handsome livestock? Like, just... what? you that's said you were calling a cow. It is too much effort. That is true. But if someone's yeah, putting that much effort bag. into it, it's better than being called a cow, right? Yeah, a cow bag or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> You just go off the deep end with these insults. <laughs> like, it's not even gradual. You just, bam, like, right on them already. Yeah, but that's what we use. We use those words. You're getting a history and language lesson here. That's why, like, it's a lot more fun to watch, like, the British version of C-SPAN versus the American version. Because, like, the American version is, like, super boring, super, like, dull down to like just i don't know but like in britain it's like they're like just i don't know personally attacking each other all the time it's like a drama series it's great it is, yeah <laughs> i need to watch more of this you need to you need to watch eastenders that'll make you laugh <laughs> no it won't honestly um, okay Got maybe anyway. after i learn what you have to teach me i, I will be able you to need to watch spitting image because that is hilarious. Is that that puppet thing you sent us? Yeah, that yeah. is hilarious. Honestly, that gave that gave me nightmares. I'm uh, not surprised. What was <laughs> the mouse that Tim showed you the other day? Oh, that was Roland the Rat, yeah. <laughs> I love the name. Y'all say Roland the Rat. So in the 1980s, there was a, a Roland, Roland the Rat sat on the, the morning TV program on the sofa hmm. with the presenters, yeah. And he was a bit nutty. Rolling the rat. Yeah. And Tim said, I bet you won't guess who this is. And I went, Rolling the rat. And he went, Oh, no, you got it straight away. Yeah. Because I grew up in the 80s. Oh, Nathan, do you want to see my hoodie? Yeah. Well, it's hard to see. It says back to the 90s on. I got it from our, our little food joint. Oh seriously? Yeah, it says back to the '90s instead of back to the future. I was like, "That's that's pretty sick." I have. I to really want to go. Back like to the American flag. I want to go back to that place so badly. Yeah, dude, it was it was a good meal again tonight. There was this sweatshirt that I really really want to get, and it's like the Irish Brigade, and it's like mm -hmm. this green sweatshirt, and on the back it like has like the harp and everything, and like the battles they took part in. So it was so cool. That's awesome. Oh, Tyler. Yes, has, sir. has my T-shirt arrived yet from Civil War? That's team? what I'm trying to say. It's at my other house. I got to go grab that. Oh, cool. But it sounds so fancy. I don't own another house. I promise. That's not not anything no. like this. It's the place I used to live. Yeah, we know. We know. Right, we know. Right, you, yeah, you, come on, the true you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just got four houses on an island. Oh my gosh, no, I don't. I have. Why would that. you want a house on an island when you could like live it up like Eisenhower and put your house yeah. on a battlefield? Exactly. Because you've got like. Man. The best location of anybody put it, on this put it on the edge where you know no action took place. Like don't tempt no. me. Because I'm totally good, just gonna have this money to do this. This is great. Yeah. Like if I could figure out where Grant's headquarters was on any battlefield, I would make my front yard is that his headquarters. Would you really? But his headquarters is always like on other ground that isn't actually owned by the national park. It's like, I don't know, somewhere else. Got lost. At least in the Overland campaign. At least in yeah. the Overland campaign. Mm -hmm. City Point, though. City Point is City actually. City Point would be cool. That would be cool. Have you actually been to City Point? I have not actually have made it out there yet because. Twice. So have they got like a national park there? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good to me. I well, like the last time park. I went, um, the person I went with and I didn't actually stop. We did drive around it though. That's and cool. See, it. yeah, it was cool. I got to see. Like, that is very cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was really tempted to get another book today, and there, don't worry, there's a connection to this. Don't worry. Do but there's there's another book. This half price bookstore has like one of the best military history sections I've seen anywhere. But there's a book there that was like um 
the feeding an army on its stomach or something like that. And it was all about military logistics and whatnot. And I'm like, Ooh, man, that looks, that looks interesting. You Um, know, I have a book called Confederate supply that might really interest you. This is the thing. I'm glad you brought that up because the mind boggles, doesn't it? When you think of the logistics behind feeding 120,000 men. It does. Yeah, so and, and not one, only feeding them but supplying them with everything they need. Yeah, I want to read that very badly. This is a, a very good book. Um, Hess makes some pretty uh, powerful statements. He always typically does. Um, but in this, he's basically—I mean, um, he's basically comparing the uh, the logistical supply line that the Union had something comparable to that of like. Uh, Prussian armies later on, um, which is pretty impressive. Uh, and that's that's another thing that I, I always like to typically talk about when it comes to international history is um, it seems like, you know, I know in Europe, like um, they'll typically talk about um, how like, oh, well, the Germans were able to win you know, the Franco-Prussian war in like a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the, the thing that impresses me the most about the American civil war is like the distances armies had to travel mm-hmm. um, versus that in Europe. Like I know that don't get me wrong. It doesn't, you know, downplay the effective role of the Prussian military or anything like that. But that said, I mean, you're talking about apples and oranges when you're talking about warfare in the Americas versus warfare in Europe, because you're talking about wars that are more like East West geographically Mm -hmm. while in the the United States, you have wars that are North and South, which typically will cover a greater distance. And so, you know, I, I don't know. It's a great book. Highly recommend it. Check it out if you can. So. Oh, well guys, you know, since we're here and it is December 11th, I wanted to shed some light a little bit on what's happening 159 years ago. Uh, please do, please do. Fredericksburg. So on the 13th of December in 2021, Darren and myself are going to be bringing you guys a lot of content on the actual battle. And of course, you're watching, you're seeing me do air quotations. The battle is on the 13th, but there is some significant stuff happening on the 11th. And... Let's start with painting the picture of what's going on in the early morning hours of the 11th. It's, it's like 1.32 o'clock in the morning and the Union Army are throwing their pontoon bridges or sliding them down some of the steep hills and bluffs of Stafford Heights just across the Rappahannock is Fredericksburg, separating the two armies. There are no bridges in place, which is why these bridges are being slung in. The, the ones that were in place or are in place, I guess you could say are not passable. They've been destroyed by the armies visiting Fredericksburg multiple times. And the ones that are being put into place now are the pontoons being pushed into the river by the Union engineers. They're in charge of building these. In the early morning hours of December 11th, succeeding two o'clock in the morning, the bridges are about halfway done. There's three crossings that are set up, the upper pontoon crossing, the middle crossing, and the lower crossing. The upper pontoon is what I'm going to focus on here as we move along, just for my spiel. The Union Army moves to try and take Fredericksburg in the, 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 the days of the 11th, the 12th, and the 13th. That's really what brings this battle in. We've, we've talked a little bit about what's happening before him with the political aspect of Burnside being in command and arriving in Falmouth on the 17th of November. And the reasons that the Union Army didn't cross earlier from things of the river being really unplanable. The river doesn't act on man's plans it acts on whatever the nature is causing the river to do so it it can be very rapid one day and flood over into the streets of fredericksburg Uh, it it could do a number of things it could be low it could be shallow it could still it's always going to retain its rapids but it's just not an easy river to guesstimate whether or not it's fordable on this day and whether or not you can bring your troops over hence why burnside wouldn't allow army or even corps from him to cross over well, his division, his grand division plan, he decides to start his way into Fredericksburg once the bridges show up, which, again, just a whole other catastrophe on its own right with Henry Halleck and Washington Pollard guys. They're just, it, it's bad. 
Well, on the 11th, when the bridges are being built, the Confederates under command of William Barksdale are going to watch these bridges get put into place and be charged with holding that town and delaying the Union Army from crossing. Frowning upon the city of Fredericksburg on the heights over there in Stafford are hundred or about 100, almost 200 Union guns pointing into the city. I think the number is somewhere around 180, 183. Well, the cannons will revisit in a second, but let's bring our attention back down to the pontoon bridge where the Union Army is beginning to prepare for their crossing. Of course, the bridge isn't built when the Confederates are going to open fire. They open fire at the sound of two signal guns that alert the Confederates to wake up, snuff out their campfires, and load their muskets and aim them at those bridge builders, those Union engineers across the river. So they do. As they're told by the guns that signaled, again, it's two signal guns that really wake up the Confederate forces that are defending Fredericksburg. Very small number of Confederates compared to the Union Army across the river from them, which maxes out at about 120,000. Confederates are roughing around 70, 75,000 troops. And there are only four or five regiments in the town of Fredericksburg on the 11th. Nonetheless, they open fire on the unarmed engineers, to which there is some small return fire on the other side of the river, ultimately leading to those cannons to open up on the town to try and subdue those Confederates that are firing at them from the banks of the Rappahannock on the Fredericksburg side. A lot of Confederates have the availability to use the houses in Fredericksburg as well, um, being that some of them are in cellars, some of them are going to be in upper story levels of these clapper dwellings that are just lining Sophia Street or River Street or Water Street, whatever you want to call that at the time. And the bridge builders across the river, their counterparts are not doing well with this fire that's hitting them. They're, they're being torn to pieces without really anything to fight back with because they're charged with building bridges. For God's sake, they're not out there to fight these men that are across the river. And they're, they're watching this happen, too, at the same time. People like um, Perkins, who is out there with the, uh, I think it's the 50th New York Engineers, if I'm not mistaken, shot and killed instantly on the bridge. Augustus Perkins. Shot through the mouth, I believe. Man who is watching these bridges get built for hours, taken from the top of that hill down to the bottom, and then just in split second like that. The life snuffed out of him by a rebel bullet. So imagine that on more of a, a larger scale. You know, we're, we're zeroing into one soldier, but this is what the scene is like at that crossing site. And there's some fire that's taking place on the middle crossing as well, but the lower crossings is looking a little different. And now the city of Fredericksburg is being shelled by the Union Army. Again, I mentioned the number of guns. There's roughly 180 cannon up there. It's a lot of rounds to hit the city. Destruction to Fredericksburg is tremendous, and we see that throughout the day. As the Union Army is now sort of stymied across the river, they can't do much to really get the town unless they get into the town, if you will. And the way that they do this, the method that they take, the approach that they take to get into Fredericksburg is is one of the first for United States military history, which I think is, is really incredible to highlight. Some Michigan boys, it's the 17th Michigan, piled into boats. Now, mind you, these boats that are, they're piled into are pontoon boats. And in today's day and age, when we hear pontoon boat, we think about the thing you can go and sail on and have a couple brews on and hoop and holler down the lake. And, you know, that's a pontoon boat. But in, in 1862, a pontoon boat was meant to hold a pontoon bridge into place. I was actually thinking about the landing ships like on or what are they? The boats that they drove onto like Norman. The LCVs or yeah, yeah. The landing yeah. craft vehicles. There you go. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Fair enough. Obviously. But I, when I hear pontoon, when I'm not thinking civil war, I'm thinking of the, the party boats, you know, that that's, that's what I think of, but I, and maybe others will as well, but in theory, we're not looking at pontoon. We're looking at, again, a shoebox shaped bridge or a boat that's meant to hold a bridge into place so troops can move across it. Okay. So 
the idea works. The, the Union troops, the 17th Michigan, get into the boats and they sail across the Rappahannock River under Confederate fire. And they establish one of the first bridgeheads in United States military history under fire. That riverine crossing is done under fire and it's successful. And they actually take that part of Fredericksburg. But all hell will still continue to break loose on those Union troops as they move through the streets. Because now they're entering the second or third, first, if you will, of these, the Battle of Fredericksburg and military history. Urban warfare. Street by street, house by house, block by block, yard by yard, fence by fence. These troops are battling it out inside homes, private dwellings, alleyways that cause blind fire to the Indian troops who don't know where this fire is coming from and they're falling in wholesale numbers. Michael Redding, a soldier, and I can't remember his name now, this book, this quote comes from Frank O'Reilly's book. He talks about a soldier named Michael Redding who says he'll be back and is found dead later, stabbed, bayoneted, or with stab wounds later on by the Union troops after he falls wounded. And the streets are, are genuinely soaked with blood during this battle, and this is the first time that you're seeing combat like this take place in the annals of military history, which makes it a very unique battlefield, too. We talk about the town fighting at Gettysburg, which is it's a very unique thing in itself, but it doesn't touch Fredericksburg. I'm sure it, it probably had some memories brought up for some of the troops fighting there, thinking about what their their comrades or counterparts suffered through during the Battle of Fredericksburg. But to put yourself in the position of having to fight in this type of environment for the first time, too. Added to what you've seen already, sites like Augustus Perkins being shot dead on the bridge. Just knowing that those troops across the river are going to fire at you at some point adds to the human interest of Fredericksburg. And again, you guys know I, I try to take history from that level. It's, it's just that's been the captivating part. So I'm sorry it's not so much like military by the numbers. It's more of like a human experience of Fredericksburg. Mm-hmm. And we're only still in the morning time. Like, I mean, this is, this is still day, day one, the, the 11th of December. Well, the Union Army is able to start slowly working its way through the city of Fredericksburg. Again, street by street, house by house, just clearing it. You know, and we, we see sites like this in modern day histories like Fallujah and other battles that have taken place. And we talk about those street fightings. And it's all starting from here. You can obviously picture what Fredericksburg looked like after tremendous cannon fire hits it and troops are fighting in the city and uh, more and more Union troops are being pushed across the river in these boats not meant to carry troops across the river. Barksdale's Mississippians and the few Floridians that serve there as well actually hold that Union army off almost all day. But when the Union captures the town, we have a very grim first. The first time the American city has been looted and sacked since the War of 1812. Fredericksburg is torn apart by these occupants, these Union troops. Uh, imagine what they just went through before you point harsh blame to any of them. Imagine what these soldiers went through. And it's not our job to judge them on that. It, it, it is the truth that this happened. But... We do look at what they went through to maybe understand why they did what they did. It's a hostile town. You went through some very traumatic events. You're probably amped up watching all those cannon blasts into the town. I mean, any self-respecting military historian or anyone that studies history knows that that is seen a lot. They, there's this constant reflection of soldiers saying tremendous or awesome or powerful or beautiful or really weird descriptive words when it comes to an artillery duel or an artillery barrage, or there's always like a, a beautiful synonym attached to it or a descriptive word that just describes awe. So, you know, you have that playing on their minds and you have the, the recent sites of fighting in urban warfare combat playing on your head. And you also have the, probably the anger of just being shot and killed on a bridge um Tyler, I got a question for you. Sure. Um so and and correct me if I'm wrong here, but is it um doesn't the United States military still do staff rides around Fredericksburg in discussing urban warfare? 
I have seen more staff rides at Chancellorsville than I have at Fredericksburg, believe it or not. But they do mm-hmm. still do a lot. I actually, and I'm not saying I haven't seen any staff rides at Fredericksburg. So I have for sure. But I've seen more at Chancellorsville. But I do believe the ones I've seen at Fredericksburg absolutely at least brush on the urban warfare. And whether they do it from the sunken road or whether they do it actually out there in the town is beyond me. I don't know the answer to that. Well, the thing that I really appreciate about the way that you discuss history is you always, you look at it from a very bottom-up approach. Um, and typically, I, I don't. I, you know, I'm someone that looks at everything kind of top-down. Um, but I don't know. And this is just something that I've noticed, especially when you describe, like, these events at, at Fredericksburg, right? I mean, this, uh, this, like, American military experience, especially during the Civil War, um, I mean, from what it sounds like, there's there's a lot that at least the public and even historians really tend to emphasize, um, but they seem to, there's a lot of parts still missing or they're not as well remembered. And the fact that you can get across these stories, you know, I, I think that says a lot about you as a historian, but also Thank you. Um, it, it, it really brings to light too these important pieces or, or, or this nuance that actually adds to the story instead of taking away from it just by like starting off, right? When, you know, like meat attacks, breaks through, you know, on the second sunken road, it, it's a lot more than that. Um, there is, there's so much that goes into Fredericksburg. I mean, in every battle, of course you have that, mm-hmm. but that, and that's one thing I noticed when I was giving tours is that people want, to understand the story and it's not and I, again i still study all the military stuff too it's one of my favorite parts about this field of study but what strikes me as the sharing point and what i want to share from my research is what the human experience of this war was because i feel like that is often kind of incorporated if you will into tours but it's not its focus anymore there's a lot of focus on pointing who is here and who did what which isn't a bad thing Mm-hmm. I like those tours. I go on them and I support them and would give them. But I do see a need also for strictly human stories because you can mix the two by doing more of a human interest with that military instead of vice versa. Mm-hmm. And maybe actually give a visualization in someone's head or maybe even cause that story to be, whether it's understood more, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it comes easy too. It's it's not, not that they do meticulous research behind it is easy it's being able to tell it after you've looked at it differently the bottom up like you said we have so many people covering the generalship and i'm thankful for that because you give me the time to be able to study the soldier the man who fought it the father the brother the you know the typical little boohoo he's using that but i use that because it's real those guys need to be studied too Right. Well, I mean, they also, saw at Fredericksburg. These orders caused these men to see this, to feel yeah. this, to experience this. That's how I want to break it down is like what these orders do. And, and that's what we're going to try and get across in our lives is because um, I know, Tyler, you've got a lot of reference to some of the common soldier. So we're going to try and get that across in our lives. I would hope so. I, I think that's cool that we get to do that. I've always had an interest in telling their story too. It's what, drives me to continue to this data studies their their story you know, needs to thing, can i just bring up one thing one thing that's always frustrated me about fredericksburg is you get the armchair general going oh why didn't they do this why didn't they do that why didn't they do this well um i mean i i learned the other day that actually the the attack on the stone wall wasn't the main wasn't supposed to be the main thrust it was supposed to be um the other side the left grand division that was supposed to be the one that did the damage absolutely and in actual fact the storming of the wall was only supposed to be um a feint and also i've I've read an account where hancock apparently saw cows crossing a ford (laughs) and said oh why can't we cross the ford again going back to what tyler said you can't cross the whole army without their supplies you just can't do it no that's it you can't do it you can't cut them off so I'll get fed up with people criticizing these people when they wasn't actually there in the situation. Well, you know, and I think, well, and the cool thing too is, you know, when we're, when we're on these battlefields, right, you're looking at it and you're like, that doesn't really seem all that far, especially when we're on the, when we oh. got to the second road, you're, you know, I'm like, Oh, this won't, you know, this, 
I because I was like, this I don't think this will take too long to cover. And by the time I got back, I'm like, I'm a little tired. Um, yeah, <laughs> maybe it's just because I'm you know I'm not working out all the time, but um, you know, even with uh like I, I remember even going out to Spotsylvania with you. Like I was exhausted. And oh yeah, after that, the the gallery. Oh yeah, it's a hike. Like, but those guys were doing stuff like that, you know, all the time. And it's like yeah. you don't really realize what kind of toll no. that takes on someone. And it was a harsh yeah. life, a harsh life. You think these guys are away from their family, you know, for for years, and and, and not only that, they're marching and marching all the time. You know, well, um, it's, it's well, not you know, an easy life for them. Just a just a very quick story when when Tyler and I were out at the out at the gallery, you know, Beautiful and after thing. we saw the bear, of course, you know, and we we're getting out of the woods there, right? It's like I, yeah. I don't know what I don't know what time it was. I think it was like five, like, six o'clock, something like that. Yeah, it was sunlight. daylight enough to where we had sunlight. Yeah. Right. And and so Tyler's like he's like, Oh, do you you know, we still have some time. We can go down this, you know, other other path here. And I'm like what the hell, Tyler? Like I'm like oh, in dude. my head, I'm like I could have gone for it. I am hungry. But and, and then again, I do not always consider that people don't just go and do this all day like I do. And you know, I, I have if I have a full day, I'm like, okay, I walk so many miles through these fields, and I'm just like, where's the next site? It's and I'm I'm thankful for that. Like you know, it's not a boastful comp like, ah, I can do this, but it's something I have been doing for a long time and just right and it's something that i admire it's just like it was just mm. like it's a lot though i don't expect <laughs> everybody to just be like, Holy shit. like slow down dude like i'll just be like you know you can text me i'll just beeline and like there and i don't mean they'll just leave i'll be like oh shit there it is i'm like climbing through brush like just slowly nonchalantly and so well yeah. and the the cool thing was too is you were very fine with me just being like i think we should go get some dinner <laughs> yeah and that, that's the thing i'm like oh you're I get it. Like it's it's yeah. a lot of walking, man. <laughs> I'm asking you to walk another like four miles with me really quickly. Come see <laughs> No, but that's how I would be able to find these like things like we did with the gallery because you don't just stay on the trail. Sometimes you got to. Yeah, no, you've got to go off. Yeah, and you're not going to find that special thing. Path. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know, it's just it's just like such a cool experience. And so, so Nate, what was your experience in the wilderness like um, for you um, actually you being know, there and experiencing I, that? <laughs> At some point, I really want to share those videos that I got when I was out there. Yeah, so you um, shot some stuff, yeah. Yeah, post them, so, dude. Site's yours. Yeah, I, I I haven't gotten it off my phone onto my computer yet, but gotcha. um, they uh, but you know, so I went to because I you know I heard that oh well, Grant's headquarters actually isn't really Grant's headquarters; it's just kind of like a general area, a general area, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I got up one morning before I was actually supposed to go see Tyler later that day. And I, I hiked my way out there. I don't know how long I was, I was out there for, but I went really deep into the woods. Um, I came across actually, uh, the fifth Corps' first, uh, set of earthworks. Uh, I believe mm -hmm. that they established when they were first coming out, uh, into Saunders field. Um, and then I came across actually, I mean, at some point or another, I started to like kind of veer off and I ended up running into this, like, I don't know, it looks like a fenced off area and like, there's a building there and I don't know. I don't, I didn't know who owned like, that yeah, or whatever, but, um, you know, so I, it's just very strange. Right. Because like that whole time I'm walking out there, I'm just like, you know, holy crap. Like this isn't even as like dense as what these guys would have experienced, but you know, this is still like, this is still really intense. Um, and, you know, so eventually I ended up hitting uh, Gordon's flank march, which by the way, I still think that that, that flank attack, like, I feel like it's it over exaggerated. I probably need to read more on it, but from what I've read, it just, it seems over exaggerated to me. Um because I know they're like, uh, oh, I know even um who led that attack? It was Gordon, right? I think it was Gordon, yeah. So he ended up writing later. He was like, Oh, I, you know, if early would have supported me, blah, blah, blah. I, you know, I could have whipped him, I could have rolled them up, whatever. I don't know. I mean, he turned in a brigade. <laughs> One brigade. Uh I don't really know how like I think Earl 
Hess is the one that actually points that out. But um, he's like, I don't know. I know their supply liners was right there. Like, I get that. But, you know, I, I think it's just really hard to, like, totally annihilate armies in the field in the 19th yeah. century. Um, so, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like it's a bit exaggerated, but that was just me. It was just very, very cool walking back there. And I, I just, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was a great experience for me. I, I got pictures. And also walking in those same footsteps. Yeah. And I got yeah. a lot of pictures of Crazy. like the best works yeah. that were out there. It was really cool. It's really cool. Well, Darren, do you have any last minute um, throw-ins for us before we head off here? Not really. Um, just that I need to go to bed because. Uh, That's what I was saying. I can see it. Soon I've got to get up, and, and and I'm so excited. I don't think I'll be able to sleep anyway because it's like Christmas Eve. But um, far, man, we got. Man, go I can't believe I'm going to be standing on that ground tomorrow. I know. And I might even have to end up getting you to just like you know stop on the way to the pub somewhere just to stand somewhere just for the sake Salem of it. Church is on the way. You know Salem Church. Let's just stop at Salem Church on the way to the pub and just stand there because I just I can't wait. I'm so, so excited. Well, there everybody, you um, you two just stick around yeah. for two seconds. Let me close out so I can say good Yeah, cool. But, um, yeah, you guys, we'll see you tomorrow live from the pub for a few minutes. We'll be and and again, um, guys, you I will do I'll do a uh, a little video tomorrow just to remind everyone what's going on and little plug for the page. Cool. I get so. to wear my cool new Hufflepuff scarf tomorrow too. Yeah, I'm going to the Harry Potter shop for Tyler because he's mm -hmm. a Harry Potter fan. So, yeah, something from England, Harry Potter, dude. Oh, there we man, go. I am hype everybody even thank though, you guys so even much. though it's from it's from the uk yeah. but it was made in china but um yeah it's from the uk we'll just there you go everybody again, and, thank you oh, all so actually much. tyler oh, i've got you some oh, treats mate i'll I'll bring over some treats Ooh. because me and tyler can have a full english breakfast on mm -hmm. tuesday morning and i'm bringing over some baked beans some brown sauce but not only that i'm bringing over some cabbage chocolate which is manufactured in the u.s but hershey's make it and it's not the same it's got lower fa uh, lower fat content than the british one so uh, you're going to get a real treat there i know i'm excited and, uh, yeah well no thank and you for watching some, yeah, and we've got you. some new um we've got a couple of t-shirts and a couple of hoodies with the logos on mm -hmm. so yeah we're doing cool stuff man it's awesome and thanks like thanks no yeah, well, thank everybody. Like you guys, just you yeah, are. And, and Nate, it's great to talk to you again, mate. Um, of course. Hopefully, we can do a World War Two one one day. I really got into that the other week, didn't I? And then, then Meanie over there stopped the video. Oh, Meanie. Hey, well, Darren, we'll we'll talk a lot more. Um, I I know yeah. I've been in cahoots with uh with Tim right now. Um, because yeah. him and I can't stop talking about the operations of grant so it's cool um, yeah we'll, we'll get our yeah, conversation going about you know world war ii world war one and all that so yeah so, we have to do it all yeah all right gentlemen uh, well and everybody okay. else, thank you guys so much for watching us tonight here's yeah, your you. bloody christmas music again that we start merry bloody christmas everybody y'all have christmas, a guys. great evening and we will see y'all very happy holidays. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. <laughs>